0: Corinthians chapter 10 verse 12 for we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves but when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves they are without understanding That's an interesting passage. It's just one laden with all kinds of information. But I think the primary takeaway when you read Second Corinthians 10 and verse 12 is to appreciate the fact that other people are not the standard by which we evaluate our own lives. That's not going to be the case in judgment, and it's certainly not the case while we're still here on planet Earth. Uh, Our responsibility, and I've been saying this over and over again for the last couple of weeks, is not to try to run, in fact I said that this morning, is not to try to run somebody else's race, it's to run your race. It's not to be like someone else or to have their talents, resources, and abilities. It's to be the very best you that you can possibly be. Kind of like the church sign I saw one time that said, Be yourself, everyone else is taken. And that that really is true. Uh, You can only be you. But uh, making that sincere and honest evaluation of what God has blessed you with, what talents, abilities, and resources that you do have, and then how you're going to be able to use those in kingdom service, I think is the challenge that lies before every child of God. And so please appreciate that this, this text is, is important, and we're going to be bringing this comparison concept up uh, a little bit later in the lesson. But I want to begin with a, with, a, with a question that has to do with the Olympics. If you were in the Olympics, and I realize that for some of us that's very far-fetched, but if you were somehow in the Olympics and you were to win a medal and, and you couldn't win the gold, okay, I'm just taking the, the most important and the most prestigious off the table, if you did not win the, uh, the gold, which of the other two would you prefer to win? Would you rather win the silver or the bronze? I, I, you know, the, the, I think the usually intuitive answer that we would give to that would be completely different than the answer that was actually given by some Olympic athletes. A study of Olympic medal winners produced some rather unexpected results. Uh, Again, we would mostly assume that the silver medal winners would be happier with their award, since that is certainly a higher uh, level award than, than the bronze, but that was not the case. The bronze medalists who came in third place were found to be happier with their medals than the silver medalists were. The former Olympians explained how they felt about their medals. In a nutshell, there was a lot of verbiage that went with the article, but in a nutshell, the third-place winners were just thrilled to have won a medal. They were thrilled to have placed it all. The silver medalists, on the other hand, felt like losers because they didn't come in first place. I'm just sharing that with you to help you to appreciate, and I hope I'm not beating this into the ground, but I really think that this is important in this this theme that we have before us for 2020 of, of, of changing our vision, our focus, and in increasing our spiritual vision in such a way that we can begin to see things the way God sees them and not just the way most people walking around on the planet would see them. Everything really is a matter of perspective. It's how you look at it. A few Sundays ago, I mentioned that uh, there the Lord classifies everybody on the planet into two, into two classifications. You're either saved or lost. You're either in his kingdom or you're out of it. But I also mention that a secondary consideration to that is the fact that for those of us who are in the kingdom, who are a part of that blood-bought institution that we know of as the ecclesia of the church, that there are two further classifications that need to be considered. And that is there are those who enjoy their religion and those who endure it. Those who consider their religion, their Christianity to be a blessing and others consider it to be a burden. And through my years of preaching and especially just in my decades of being a New Testament Christian, it has been my observation and experience that the difference in whether a person enjoys or just endures their Christianity is the matter of perspective. Let me give you one quick example and I, I know this may be a little close to home for some of you but I don't intend for this to be too personal. But take, for, uh, for instance, the matter of losing a loved one. Over the course of my decades of preaching, I have seen many, many people lose a, a beloved husband or wife. And sometimes it's a cherished child that they lose to death. And I have seen people who go in one of two directions. One is they blame God for that loss and they never get over it. Some, some actually have left the church over the fact that this, especially if it was an unexpected, premature loss, and they, they blame, how could God let this happen to me? The other is the person who says, I would never have been able to make it through this if I had not been able to lean upon a good and a gracious God. Obviously, that's radically different perspectives on the same basic experience. And I'm, I'm just saying that to help us to uh, re the fact that when it comes to perspective, spiritual perspective and how we see things, that is so vitally important. Whether you're a college student, whether you're you know, in elementary school, it doesn't matter if you're retired. Still we have to work, I think, daily as Christians on, on how we see things. We can pick up our newspaper and we can walk away depressed or we can walk away reaffirmed that God is still on his throne and that he is still in control of things. And so, again, in, in those areas, we've got to work on how we're looking at things. I, I remember years ago getting most of my education from the comic strip, and uh, as I've said many times, and in an episode of the Peanuts comic strip series, Charlie Brown and Linus and Lucy are lying on a grassy hillside, and they're staring up at the sky at the cloud formations. So you've got the premise of the cartoon strip in front of you. They're, they're lying there, and they're looking at the cloud formations, and Lucy speaks, because Lucy always speaks. And she says, if you can use your imagination, you can see lots of things in those cloud formations. And then she said, what do you see, Linus? And Linus, being the intellectual one of the group, said, well, I, those clouds up there look like a map of the British Honduras from the, on the Caribbean. That cloud up there looks like a little like a profile of Thomas Eakins, the famous, the famous painter. And then those clouds over there, Linus said, gives me the impression of the, of the stoning of Stephen. In fact, I can see the Apostle Paul standing to one side. Lucy then inquires, and what do you see in the clouds, Charlie Brown? Charlie Brown says, I was going to say I saw a ducky and a horsey, but I've changed my mind. Whether you're looking at cloud formations, whether you're looking at life, It all depends on your perspective. It depends on how you view things. And as we can see different things when we look at the clouds, we can see different things when we view life. Philosopher Blaise Pascal said, we view things not only from different sides, but we view things with different eyes. That's right. You know, even a husband and a wife don't always look at everything just alike. In fact, some of you could probably say we we bat pretty much a thousand in, in the other direction. But again, if we all saw things exactly the same, then some of us would be unimportant. We, you know, we would be redundant. Ed Manning tells about a situation when a woman approached him to ask a question. It's important that you know that Ed is a minister at the congregation of the Lord's people. But as this lady walked up to Ed and drew closer to him, he, he kind of tipped his head back to look at her through the bottom lens of his bifocal, so that he could you know, focus on her more closely. It's important to see people's facial expressions. And that was the only way that Ed could really lock in on her when she got closer. But anyway, when he he did that, when he tilted his head back to look through the lower lens of his bifocals, that lady just exploded. She said, there you go again. You stick your nose up in the air every time I talk to you. Who do you think you are? And she said, I am sick of your arrogant attitude. Well, obviously, Brother Manning was taken aback by her, her response and he explained, you don't understand. I am, not, I am not sticking my nose up in the air at you. I just can't see you when you get near me. And I'm tilting my head back so that I can see you through the bottom half of my bifocals. Well, the woman had clearly and completely misperceived the situation. She had been harboring all that uh, unwarranted resentment against Brother Manny, thinking that he had been looking down at her. Although it wasn't true, it's still how she viewed the relationship. And I don't know if I would go quite so far as one person that I heard say when it comes to reality, perception is everything. Well, that's that's going pretty far. But perception is important. I will grant you that. How we look at things, our perspective on life. And our perspective, of course, is going to be determined by our mindset, our worldview, and our attitude. Brother Manning may have worn the bifocals. But that woman, she wore the rejection glasses. And she's not alone because the world is filled with people who misinterpret what they see. and It's been a problem since biblical times as we'll see in just a moment. King Saul acquired a, um, the only thing I know to call it is a perverted, a perverted perspective the day he heard the Israeli women praising David's accomplishments more than his own. Many of you are familiar with that Old Testament account. Everything was fine. He was copacetic with uh, the praise and the adoration and the acknowledgement that he got until he heard someone else being praised more highly than him, and especially for it to be David. So through jealousy glasses, 1 Samuel eighteen six through 9, is the place that you can lock in on that particular part of the account. It's where the Bible says, and he looked at David with suspicion from that day on. Just because David was being praised, somebody had made up a song talking about all the victories that David had experienced in war. And now all of a sudden Saul is is feeling incredibly envious, jealous, and he's looking at David from a completely different perspective than he had ever done before. And then there's the Old Testament account in Numbers chapter 13. The ten spies, I know there were 12 spies that went into the, to the land to spy out the land, but you remember it was the ten spies when they sneaked into the land of Canaan and they looked through uh, inferiority glasses and they came back in Numbers 13 verse 33 with this report. We became like grasshoppers in our own sight as we did in their sight. So all of a sudden, here's their perspective. We're just grasshoppers compared to those giants that inhabit the land. Well, was that a matter of perspective? Well, they were really big guys. But, but in terms of their ability to go in and conquer the land, wait, the way God had said that they should and could, it was a matter of perspective. All of a sudden, they have this defeatist attitude. We can't do it. It doesn't matter what God said. There's no way we're going to be able to, to breach those fortified cities and to be able to bring down those giants that inhabit that land. And then over in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 20, verse 10, beginning, the Bible says the, the vineyard workers looked through envy glasses. They compared dollars per hour, and then they griped about their paychecks. You remember that, how that some signed on at one hour, others at the late hour, and, and there were some who signed on about an hour before quitting time. And, and yet the person who was employing them... Paid them all the same. Everybody was fine with that until they began to look around and they violated our text for tonight. They began to compare themselves among themselves. And all of a sudden they were no longer happy with their paychecks. The Bible says the Pharisees viewed Jesus through judgmental glasses. This is Luke 6 and verse 7 as well as a number of other places in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because they were trying to find fault with the Son of God himself. Any time they would, well, most of the time when they would ask him a question, they were not asking for information's sake. They weren't asking in order to be educated or edified by his answer. They were asking, hopefully, to back him into a corner and make him look foolish. And so they were always doing that. They were trying to find fault with God Himself, and that's absolutely amazing to me. So again, I say that perspective is in the eye of the beholder. Whether it's rejection or jealousy or inferiority, those are just a few of the attitudes that can, can logjam the, the way that viewers look at things. We all perceive the world in our own unique ways. Everybody views and interprets life differently even when our eyes are fixed on the same thing. Many of the problems, in fact, that we have with each other are created because of, uh, of the varying pers- mismatched perspectives. You see things one way, and I see things another way. Again, even in marriages, that oftentimes is characteristic of that relationship. Here's one of the things, as, as kind of a, a movie buff, that has always interested me. Sometimes when a movie comes out, and, and, and by the rating at least, I perceive that it's decent enough to watch. And I, and I think, man, that, that looks intriguing. But I never bother to go out to the theater to watch it. My reasons for not doing that, I will talk to you about after services if you're interested. But uh, I, I usually don't do that. I usually wait till the vi- you know it comes out on video. But here's something that I've noticed, especially if you ever read those people, the, cri- the movie critics, the reviewers, that, that one person will give a particular movie a four-star rating, the best that you can give them. And another reviewer or movie critic will give that same movie a one-star rating. They were watching the same movie. One of them loved it, the other one hated it. Well, it's because of our, our different perspectives. We understand how that works. How many times have we clashed with someone because, in fact, we've actually coined the phraseology because we don't see eye to eye. We're not looking at things. Our, our perception level is different. Husbands and wives quarrel with each other because they look at issues differently. Employees sometimes don't get along with their bosses because of those conflicting perspectives. Politicians debate the same issues with contrary opinions. Now, I'm not going to be partisan. I'm going to work both sides of the aisle right now. But but even when you watch like the political debates on television, how that they can be, it seems at one another's throats. I mean, uh, my, my fellow uh, person running for president or whatever. You know, they, they are ignorant. They don't know what they're talking about. They have a checkered past. They wouldn't serve this country if they were elected and so on. And then once uh, uh, all the selection process is over, they're, they're best friends. He gets my vote. He gets my endorsement. Well, you know, two weeks ago, you hated that person. And now all of a sudden, you're endorsing. Well, it's because of our, our varying perspectives. That's just the way life works. So why do people see things so differently? Well, it's because of the attitudinal glasses we wear. But, but these are special glasses. They're not worn on our eyes. God's word says that these glasses are worn on our hearts. And that's important. They're, they're devilish glasses because they distort the way we view life. And again, we're not just talking about are you okay with this or not okay with this. We're talking about a situation where if we misperceive the situation or if we're looking at the circumstances of my life at this moment in time that will actually cause me to lose my faith. So how we perceive things is important because eternity is being weighed in the balance. I'm thinking just now of Psalm 73 when a man by the name of Asaph, and and I've mentioned him a few times from this pulpit, but you remember that account. How that Asaph almost lost his faith. He said, my feet almost slipped. That's a spiritual metaphor for I I almost turned my back on God. I lost my faith. Because I looked around and I saw rich people uh, who were prospering and yet they were ungodly. They were worldly. They were some of the best, the worst people that you could ever imagine. And the best people on the other side, God's people trying to do right were being persecuted, were being oppressed. Life was hard for them. And I did not understand that, he said, until I went into the tabernacle of God and I beheld their latter end. That is, I began to consider how life turns out and how that things don't always balance out in this life, but they will in the next. But again, I'm just saying that this is serious business, how we we look at things and how we perceive things and how we interpret things with our hearts. Bible says that Satan is the father of all liars. Can I get an amen? Satan is the father of all lies. And, and, and that's an inaccurate description of him. He, he constantly is the accuser of the brethren. Don't trust anything that Satan or the people who work for Satan has to say. And he hands his demons a work order every day for the destruction that he wants to accomplish in that given day. Hell's workshop, I'll guarantee you, is laboring overtime. Making glasses so that we will, we will even God's people, will always see the world in twisted and perverted ways. The enemy knows that if he can distort our perspectives, if we, he can get us looking at situations or even at other people with the wrong kind of attitudinal glasses, then we're going to respond with the wrong actions and with the wrong attitudes. A warped outlook on life it can can cause us to sink into depression. Or... And it can cause us even to withdraw from relationships. Or it, it, it can cause us to be edified and built up and, and to be convinced that each day we are walking in harmony with God's will. Uh, it happens all the time. And you don't have to be a preacher. I mean, you've had that experience. And you've talked to fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who are, who are going through some awfully tough times. And sometimes those are legitimately tough times. And sometimes it's just a matter of perspective. In fact, I, I've had people tell me their problems, and I'm thinking, who hasn't had that problem, you know? But you don't say that out loud. You want to be sympathetic. But, but our perspective, how we're viewing those circumstances, is going to determine whether or not we come out of the other end, we see the light at the end of the tunnel, and we keep, we keep pursuing that. A perspective so is created when our eyes and our hearts, that is, the mental faculty, when they share information. And although we see with our eyes, that's how we view the world, of course. It is with our hearts that we perceive. That is a biblical reality. In John chapter 12 and verse 40, the Lord said he has blinded, talking about Satan, by the way, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts. That was just the two things we just mentioned, wasn't it? When our hearts and our eyes share information, and so Jesus said Satan's full-time job is to blind their eyes, and by there he means all of humanity, and harden their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, and lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn so that I should heal them. Why isn't everyone responsive to the gospel message? Why do some hear the gospel that is how we can be emancipated from sin and have all of our past transgressions washed away. And some people say, that's wonderful, I want to do that, just like the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts the 8th chapter. Here's water, what's entered? I mean, he, he was begging Philip to stop that chariot. It's time for me to be baptized. I, I don't want to put that off. And there are other people who will who will confront and face that same opportunity and say, no thank you, I'm not the least bit interested. It's all because of Satan's work. I'm convinced that he's doing exactly what Jesus said in John 12:40, that he is distorting things for, for, for them, and, 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 and they were buying into that. Now don't get the impression that either God or Satan can make you can, can override your free will and make you look at things a certain way. But I, I'm guarantee they can, they can tilt things in, in one direction or the other and then we'll buy into whatever it is that they're trying to sell. Perception is the way then that our hearts interpret what it is that we're seeing. Uh, the attitude that fills our hearts forms the glasses through which we're, we're viewing the world. We don't see things alike because we don't wear the same glasses. I read about an experiment one time. Three people were seated in a room and each one was wear, wearing various colored sunglasses. Each person looked at the same white piece of paper that was laying on the table, one wearing pink glasses, and you, of course, know how this plays out, and yet our tax dollars at work... The person wearing pink glasses looked at that white piece of paper and said, of course, it's pink. The one wearing yellow glasses said it's yellow, and the one wearing blue glasses said it looks like it's blue to me. Well, when they were asked to explain what they see, they would actually argue about the color of the paper. They viewed the paper as different color because they were looking at it through different glasses. Each claimed to be right. Here's the kicker. None of them saw it correctly. Every one of them was dead level wrong about the color of that paper. Their colored lens filtered the way they perceived the paper, and so they could not see it as white. I'm saying that there's a similar thing that's going on in our lives on a spiritual plane. The same principle applies to to, to the way we view all of life. Wrong attitudes will color our perception. We'll see things in a tainted way. Our, trying to think of the right word, responsibility, our obligation is to make sure that every day we are at least giving it the effort that we're going to look at things the way God would have us to look at, not the way the world would have us to look at because that's a completely different thing. sometimes, as you well know that's one hundred and eighty degrees different from what the way God would have you to be looking at things at life, at your family relationship, at whether things really are burdens or blessings in your life. It all is determined by how you have chosen. To, to, to attitudinally adjust yourself and your vision regarding those matters the different kinds of spectacles the glasses are, are as many as the attitudes that we that we allow to contaminate our hearts negative people are always looking through pessimistic glasses restless people constantly are looking for greener grass somewhere other than where they are because they're always looking through discontentment glasses People who imagine that others are avoiding them are wearing rejection glasses, inferiority glasses make people even see themselves in a self-destructive way. And looking through envy glasses makes viewers upset when, when they see people around them that apparently have more than they do or are blessed more than they are and so they're filled with, with envy. Rather than rejoicing with those people in their blessings, they sit around, you know, navel gazing and belly aching because God hasn't blessed us more. And when these attitudes seize control of our, our hearts, it's only natural that our perspective our perspective gets thrown all out of whack. We see things from a twisted point of view, and that affects the way we act and the way we react. Perspective can certainly alter our moods, can it? it's true it's been illustrated over and over again biblically but it's true in our own lives our own experience the way we perceive things can lift us to the highest levels of ecstasy or they can they can plunge us to the lowest pits of depression perspective changes and affects our our relationships we assume that we know what other people are thinking even though it may not be true our perception creates conflicts and confusion oftentimes in the way we relate to other people. And finally, perspective will affect our decisions. I imagine that's the most crucial aspect of all. It affects what we decide to do, sometimes determined based upon the ambiguous nature of our perceptions. We can imagine the most unlikely scenario, and we can react to that unwisely. So maybe we can begin to see how that perspective controls not only how we think but also how what we do in terms of how we think so if we perceive wrongly then we can we can suddenly find ourselves in trouble so here's the last question i want to ask and i'm going to answer as quickly as possible is there any way to change the perspective problem and the good news is that the answer is a resounding yes i'm sure that if you you think because that would be this is just natural that that if Everybody could look through your eyes, then the world's problems would be solved. You know, if everybody just saw things the way I saw them, then all of a sudden there would be peace on earth and goodwill toward man. Uh, That's because that's the way we normally think. As Brother Cecil has said many, many times, "I, I believe what I believe because I think it's right. I wouldn't believe something if I thought it was wrong. And so I've chosen my values based upon what I, I think happens to be right. And that, of course, is informed by the Word of God. But anyway, so, suppose for a moment, if you will, just before we, we end this study, that your wish were granted. In the snap of the fingers, everybody saw the world through your eyes. They saw things exactly the way you see them. And so everybody has the same preferences, they all have the same opinions that happened to be yours everybody thinks the same each individual sees from your viewpoint and I want to take that one step further and I know that this is this is uh, going out on the limb but imagine for just a moment hypothetically of course that you were married to you would you have a perfect marriage would you ever argue with yourself what if you both wanted the last piece of chicken Suppose neither of you wanted to take out the trash. What if both of you were in a bad mood at the same time? You see, you'd still have arguments with yourself even if you were married to you. You'd find out how difficult it can be to live with yourself. And you might even ask yourself for a divorce. That's just the way it works. Now, if everyone in the world had identical perspectives, then we still have conflicts. Why is that? It's because... Hate to admit it, but it's true, because we're all selfish to a degree. Self insists on seeing everything through its own dogmatic point of view. Even Solomon agreed with that. Proverbs 16 and verse 2. Listen to this. All the ways of man are pure. One version says, all the ways of man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives that's right isn't it that's not only a psychology lesson but that's also a spirituality lesson and that's why we look at things so differently because we are self-centered in our own peculiar ways we're looking through sin-stained selfish glasses that tarnish the way we we look at the world so that's where it all starts with making sure that our our thinking is right because if we see things and we see circumstances and we see the world and we see our families and we see our own lives and our own response to the goodness and the grace of God through eyes, but that somehow gets misinterpreted before it gets through our hearts and become actuated in real life, then we're going to constantly have a spiritual battle on our hands. And we can't we can't be surprised if, if we wind up a spiritual casualty. So we've got to make sure that when we're looking at the world and looking at things and looking at our own lives, that we're looking at them through, through God's eyes, that we have that 2020 spiritual vision that I think we're all longing for ungodly attitudes can can pollute can pollute our hearts and that distorts our vision of course and we look at circumstances through that human point of view we behold others through judgmental glasses and we see ourselves as paul said in our text we see ourselves in comparison to others and you might remember that the ending of that passage that ronnie read a moment ago said at least in the king james version those who compare themselves among themselves are not wise That is not the wise course to compare yourself with anybody. You're not running their race. You're running yours. King Solomon tells us in Proverbs 3 and verse 7, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. That might be something you want to put on your refrigerator because that's worth thinking about. Don't be wise in your own eyes. What do you do instead? You fear the Lord and you turn away from evil. In every situation, you try to make the right choice, the right decision. And let's taking off our glasses and focusing on the right things is the only thing that can ever correct our spiritual vision. We can begin to look at the circumstances from God's viewpoint rather than from our own, and we can begin to look at others through His through His compassionate eyes, and we can begin to see other people as God's marvelous handiwork. It's hard not to get aggravated at people, isn't it? Especially if they cut you off on Atlanta Highway. I'm good anywhere else, but on Atlanta Highway, don't cut me off. But you know what I'm talking about. All of this that we've talked about tonight is what creates strife and conflict in this world. And the only reasonable, workable answer to that is for all of us to see things through God's eyes. Perspective, the good news is, I want to leave you some good news, can be corrected. But it begins with a change of heart. And I leave you with Romans 12 verse 2. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's exactly what some of you need to do tonight. You need to make that initial step and become a child of God before this night is over by repenting of your sins, confessing Jesus as God's Son, and allowing us to baptize you in water where you will contact the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ And you can not only start your whole life over again with a clean spiritual slate, but you can begin to look at life and look at everything with new eyes. And that's God's eyes. If that's what you need to do tonight, we'll help you in any way we can while we stand and while we sing to encourage